Welcome to another episode of the Cognitive Bias Podcast. I'm your host, David Dylan Thomas, and today we're going to talk about the false consensus effect. We uh, talked a little bit about this last time, but I kind of want to wanted to do a deeper dive on it because there's some interesting aspects to it. So as a recap, false consensus effect is when you think that uh, your opinion is shared by like everybody, like the majority of people think the way, do, the way I do about this. And the experiment we kind of talked about last time was where they asked college students, hey, will you wear this sandwich board around campus? Um, and uh, the, the ones who said, yes, I would do that, they then asked, well, how many of the other like uh, college uh how many of your, your, your colleagues, how many, how many of the people at this college do you think would be willing to do it? And they said, oh, I think most of them, right? And then they asked the same question of the people who said, no, I won't wear it. Well, how many other people here would not wear it? And again, they saw they assumed the most people would not wear it. Now, they were both wrong. It's actually about a 50-50 split whether they would wear this thing. But, uh, but they assumed because of their beliefs that, that, that everyone else also believed the same way. So that's the basic idea of it. And part of what's going on is, you know, a lot of cognitive biases have to do with, you know, how do you make a decision when you have limited information, right? I don't actually know how many people would wear this thing uh, on campus, right? I don't have that uh, readily available, that statistic. I haven't done a poll, right? So what do I know? Well, I know how I feel about it. So let's assume that's how everyone feels about it, right? You kind of project yourself onto the situation because that's all the that's the most available thing you have, right? It's that availability heuristic again. Like this is the most easily retrievable information to make this guess based on. So let's go with that, all right? Um, and uh, we also uh, can make this assumption that our opinion is popular because in our minds, it's not an opinion. It's an objective fact, right? So uh, I get this way about movies, right? So I, I showed my friends back in the day, they had never seen the movie Aliens before. Um, and I'm like, oh, you're going to love this. It's amazing. It's Aliens, right? And so we watched Aliens, and they were like, meh. And I, like, I couldn't wrap my head around it. Like, to me, Aliens, objectively, is one of the greatest movies ever made. Like, there's no way it'd be like, you know, looking at the Grand Canyon, you have to be impressed, right? It's objectively beautiful. It's objectively perfect, right? Which, of course, you know, is ridiculous. Uh, opinions about movies are opinions. They're subjective. But to, in my mind, it had become fact, right? It had become, like, H2O equals water, right? Aliens equals awesome. It's the same thing. Um... So, so that, that's that's another thing that that, that can happen, and um, and it's a bit of an attribution error, right? Like you're assuming that this thing is an opinion when actually it's a fact. And I think there's no end of you know in the news today, right? This notion of we're having trouble discerning between opinions and facts. Um, when I was a kid, I remember taking uh, exercises where you actually had to like point out what was an opinion and what was a fact, and it's like people forgot that. Uh, but that's that's part of what happens when you start to assume that, well, everyone must believe this because it's not even an opinion at all, right? Um, and uh, there are certain uh, factors that can play into just how strongly this effect takes place. So if you're really concerned about something, let's say you're really, really concerned about global warming, you will assume other people are concerned about it as well, right? And again, even if they're completely not, right? <laughs> um, uh, and, uh, and, you know, the inverse, you know, if you're not super concerned about drunk driving, you'll also assume, you know, the majority of people aren't super concerned. Basically your level of concern about things is something that you assume is fairly universal. And it's also, if you're really convinced of something, right? Like I am convinced that like the Marvel Cinematic Universe is like one of the best things ever. And so, so I'm then, you know, convinced that everyone else is equally convinced of that as well, right? It gets back to that. It's like, it, it might as well just be an objective fact, which of course it's not, right? People have different opinions and almost no one I can assure you cares as much about that as I do. Um... So you uh, so you you start to think this way, and it's and it's harder even today, right? With you know, 
uh, social media and the, the way it sort of makes it easier for us to get into a bubble. Although there's, you know, some uh, controversy as to just how much that actually happens. Um, there were studies where, like, people who were on Facebook actually were exposed to more political opinions than those who weren't, which is which is weird, but apparently that was a thing. Um, but uh, in any case, uh, we, we do tend to listen to the same voices over and over again and ignore the ones that don't. And now here's the thing, like, even if I do get exposed to these other opinions, uh, part of the, um, part of the packaging with, uh, false consensus effect is if someone disagrees, like I have this, I say, yeah, 90% of Americans love the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And then someone says, well, actually it's only 50%. I'd be like, well, that other 50%, something's wrong with them right? Like, I assume there's something fundamentally wrong with people who disagree with me when I find out that, oh, no, wait, your assumption about the majority isn't true, right? Um, and uh, I think that there are, um, I think you're seeing that play out today a lot in the, uh, in the Me Too movement and this notion of these social norms that people thought, right, that misogynists thought were normal, and therefore thought they were not misogynists, <laughs> right? Where it's sort of like, what do you mean I can't, uh, can't uh, call you toots at the, the office? Like, I'm doing the 1950s version of misogyny, but you get the point, right? Like, they assume this is just how it's done, right? Like, that's just normal. Everyone, I think that way, therefore everyone thinks that way. And then when some people say, wait, no, you can't call me toots, um, that's disrespectful, they're like, oh, well, there must be something wrong with you. You must be too sensitive, right? Like, I think that phrase, too sensitive, is a version of this, you know, false consensus look. All us normies over here think correctly. If you think differently, then you must. there must be something wrong with you, and I'm going to call that wrong thing being too sensitive, right? So I think that's kind of one of the ways this is playing out today. Um, and even if, right, you can kind of get to this point of acknowledging that some people don't think the way you do, in your mind you also, like this, they've studied this, people also tend to think, okay, well, they don't think that way now, but they'll come around right? They'll, they'll figure it out. Like it's this, there's this sort of optimism bias where they're like, okay, they don't agree with me now, but they will believe, you know, uh, favorably. They'll, they'll think favorably about the thing I think favorably about in the future, right? They'll get there eventually. You know, all these Trump supporters, uh, they'll see the light eventually, right? Like that's, that's sort of another thing that goes along with this notion of, I believe this thing, therefore everyone else must believe it. And if you don't, a, there's something wrong with you, and B, you'll get there eventually. Like, that's the whole arc, right, of this particular effect. That's kind of what I wanted to dig deeper on. There's actually a lot of stuff going on. Um, there's also this, like, opposite version of it, or inverse or converse. I don't know. Um, you tell me when you find out what it is. Okay, there's this thing called pluralistic ignorance. And instead of, hey, I believe this way, therefore I think everyone else believes this way, it's kind of going the opposite direction. It's, I believe that everyone else thinks this way. Therefore, I'm going to pretend to think that way too, but deep down inside, I don't really believe that, right? Um, and so a really good example of this is binge drinking on college campuses, right? So you see this behavior play out where lots of people binge drink on college campuses. And if you ask any one person, like, do you think lots of people binge drink on college campuses, they'll say yes. And do you think that they, lots of them want to do this, that this is a favorable thing that they want to do? They really, really want to get super, super, super drunk. They'll say yes, that's absolutely, uh, most of the people I go to college with, that's what they want to do. And then if you ask them privately, like, do you really honestly in your heart of hearts want to do it? They'll be like, not really, no. But your other friends, oh yeah, they absolutely want to. Now, here's the thing. All of them are saying that. All of them are saying privately, I'd really rather not drink 50 beers. But outside, like they assume all of their friends want to drink 50 beers. And so they're like, oh no, I want to drink 50 beers. Let's go. And so there was an interesting experiment, actually. I think you can read about it in, um, I want to say it was, uh, 
uh, the book Contagious. I'll put the author and the, the, the reference in the, in the show notes. I'm blanking on the name right now. Um, Jonah Berger. There. Boom. Jonah Berger's uh, Contagious. He talks about this experiment where they um, uh, put up signs, basically, giving the real statistics around. It's like 15% or something like that, or 95% of students don't want to binge drink or whatever it is. But basically, they made it openly available in public that, that this was an illusion, that in fact, most of your peers don't want to binge drink. And where they did this, like the binge drinking actually went down because people didn't have to pretend anymore, right? They didn't have to pretend to like doing this thing that no one actually wanted to do. And I can, I can imagine any host of like negative behaviors that are actually driven by just peer pressure and peer consensus. And again, this uh, pluralistic ignorance of what people actually want versus what you're seeing uh, that they want. Um, So anyway, uh, a lot of good stuff there to uh, think about. Um, Thank you so much for joining uh, for uh, this episode of uh, Cognitive Bias Podcast. I'm your host, David Dylan Thomas, and we will see you next time.